1: Good evening on this rainy July, um, late July, -July, mid-July afternoon. Uh, We're here uh, on the Hoosier Huddle podcast talking Big East football. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. We'll be joined by uh, co-host TJ Inman here in a little bit. Uh, We'll talk uh, the Big Ten East uh, just like we did the Big Ten West on Monday, go through who we think uh, will be uh champion where we think everybody will finish, uh where IU fits into this whole uh whole thing and um and, and what we are looking for. Uh TJ, welcome to the show. Uh, how are you
2: tonight? I'm doing very well, Sammy. Good to be talking about IU's division. Uh if we're experts at anything it would be the Big Ten East.
1: Yeah, you you'd certainly hope so. Uh we've watched enough uh, Big Ten football and Big Ten East football um, so far to, to maybe know uh, what we're talking about a little bit. Um, yeah. TJ, I don't know if you had this issue. To me, this is, it, this is a head-over-heart or heart-over-head decision. Um, very difficult to pick the winner of the Big Ten East. It's, it's a super competitive conference. Um, the schedules uh, of each each team that could contend for the title uh, are, are kind of weird they, they kind of even themselves out um, mm-hmm. keep in fact that your your non-conference record does not count towards a conference championship or or division championship um, so uh, let's let's get started TJ I'll, I'll go through my um, my uh, seven first I I I, I have Michigan winning the Big Ten East. I'll I'll go over that in in a in a little bit uh, and give my rationale of Ohio State coming in second, Michigan State third, um Penn State I, I think it would be a tie between Penn State and Indiana for fourth and fifth. Uh and then rounding out I, I'll have um Rutgers and then and then Maryland in seventh. Um how about you?
2: Yeah, we're uh, We're very closely aligned there. I also have Michigan coming out as champions the Big Ten East. Uh, then I've got Ohio State, Michigan State. I've placed Indiana fourth, Penn State fifth, but I, I do think that that's going to be pretty much a, a stone-cold tie between those two. Um, optimistically, I would say that that would be at either four and five or five and four. Uh, and I just I put Indiana into that spot just because they're hosting Penn State. So um, Penn State fifth, and then uh, I went with Maryland at six, Rutgers at seven. Uh, the rationale there being, well, I don't I don't really have one between those two. Uh, they're they're very much um, I would say that there's a clear in my opinion kind of a clear tiered system in the Big Ten East uh, that you don't have in the West. Uh, You've got Michigan, Ohio State at the top two. I see it as kind of a middle three. I see Michigan State, Indiana, and Penn State in a tier with Michigan State being above Indiana and Penn State. Michigan State's closer to IU and Penn State than they are Ohio State and Michigan this season. Um, And then the bottom two Maryland and Rutgers. But um, that's what I had so we can get into the individual teams, and I guess we'll talk about um, the team that we had as the champ. Uh, We'll talk about Michigan first.
1: Yeah, the the reason I put Michigan, I was going back and forth um, to myself on on this – Reason I put Michigan, I I think they're they're an absolutely loaded team. Uh, even though they're going to have a new quarterback, we saw what Jim Harbaugh did with Jake Rudock last year. I think he has more to work with and more time to work with John O'Korn um, and uh, Wilton Spate. Uh, whoever wins that, I, I do believe that uh, John O'Korn will win that. But he's had more time under Harbaugh than Rudock. I think he has more, you know gifted talent than, than, than Rudolph. So I think they'll be just fine at quarterback. Uh, they do return. Uh, uh, their defense is going to be nasty. Um, yeah. uh, they have uh, a couple good corners. Jabril Peppers is going to be a, a pain in the butt at that at hybrid safety linebacker spot, um, you know, rushing the passer. And uh, if you guys watch Boston College at all, uh, last year, they Michigan brings in their uh defensive coordinator and they use pressure a lot. So, whoever's going up against Michigan, their quarterback's not going to have a, a, a good day. It, it's going to be a, a tough day, uh, one where you're going to have to buckle the chin strap and, and strap on the ice bags after the game. Uh, but mm-hmm. Michigan's absolutely loaded. Um, you know their their defensive line uh, brings back uh, two seniors, uh, three seniors. You have Taco Charlton, uh, Chris Wormley, and Brian Glasgow. Um, you have another uh, junior uh, nose tackle in uh, Maurice Hurst, uh, Jerrell Peppers, Jordan Lewis, who's a terrific, terrific corner. Uh, I believe we had him as number one on our um, on our opponents' cornerback list as well, um, and, and we haven't even gotten. T.J. to the wide receivers and the tight ends. Um, Jake Butt is uh, is by far the, the best tight end in the conference. He absolutely yep. killed IU the last couple years. Um, and then you bring in J.U. Chesson and Amara Darbo uh, in at wide receiver. So I just think there's too much talent. Um, although they end the year at Ohio State, I think that the whooping Ohio State put on last year, is not going to let that happen again and I think they're going to go into Ohio Stadium and clinch the Big Ten East uh, in Columbus.
2: Yep, I, I would agree with you. Um, there are some question marks, and the, the primary ones that I have, number one, the linebackers. Um, they lost a lot from their linebacking core last year, which was very strong. Uh, I, I kind of think the linebacker is a position that Michigan's going to be able to figure out. You mentioned they bring in Don Brown. Uh, former Boston College defensive coordinator. He's very well-respected, very aggressive defense, and um, you know, I doubt very many people watched Boston College last season. There wasn't much reason to, but their defense was not the reason that they were awful. Uh, their offense was putrid. The defense kept them in a lot of games and gave them a chance to even be competitive. Um, Don Brown, he's a, a very good defensive coordinator, and I think he'll fill in really well. Um yeah, the trio of Darbo, Chesson, and Butt, very difficult for defenses to cope with. Number one, they're really good, but two, but they're big physically. I mean, they're just very tough for defensive backs to match up with and very tough for any linebacker to cover Jake Butt. Uh, offensive line is really strong. Grant Newsome, Ben Braden, Mason Cole, Kyle Callis, Eric Magnuson. I mean, three of those five could end up on the All-Big Ten team. Um I think the two is probably a realistic thing for them to get on the first team. Uh, they've got really good talent and experience there. The defensive line, um, you mentioned those guys, but another one that's number one recruit in the country, Rashawn Gary, uh, defensive tackle, he's going to be joining that group as well. They don't have to play him right away, but he's going to be on the field. I mean, he's not hes not going to start for them likely but he's going to start the season as part of that rotation um, and be able to to kind of be fresh because they're not going to have to play guys all game. I I think it's a really good physical group. And then schedule-wise, you're right. I mean, the the game at Ohio State is a, a cause for doubt because those two are to battle each other for the division title. But beyond that, I mean, home games against Penn State, Wisconsin, Illinois, Maryland, and IU. Are they going to lose any of those? I, I doubt it. I really doubt it. I don't see they, any of those teams going live. in
1: there. No. And, no. and they no, play – teams are
2: going into big house. The Rutgers yeah, – And, Michigan
1: they, and State. they're not going to – I mean, go their ahead. their non-conference schedule is very soft as well. So, if you're looking oh, yeah, at yeah. Michigan as a playoff team, they're going to have to probably go undefeated as they play Hawaii, UCF, and Colorado. Mm-hmm. It's not the, the cream of the crop. Uh, of non-conference no. opponents. And then, uh, as you alluded to, that, that trip to Michigan State, uh, Michigan State's had their number uh, for the last uh, about a decade now. Um, so those, it's going to come down to those two games. Can they get over the hump at Michigan State? Can they, you know, put the the nail in the coffin of Ohio State um, on the last game of the year? Uh, so that that's well, what it comes down to schedule-wise. It's very navigable uh, besides oh, those yeah. two games.
2: Yeah, their first six are at home. They don't leave Ann Arbor until October eighth. I mean, their first away game is October eighth, uh, against Rutgers. So Yeah, they uh, I mean they leave it doesn't get a lot better than that.
1: No, they they leave the state of Michigan once, um, you know, before November. So uh, wow. a very Florida ish. Yeah. Uh, type of schedule. Yes. Uh, next, we'll go to uh, then, you know, well, Ohio State One, one more thing.
2: I, I, forgot to, I forgot to talk about their running backs. I, I did want to mention uh, De'Veon Smith. Not a standout guy, but a steady running back. They also have Derek Green and Ty Ezek coming back. One player, or even two players to watch. Recruits that they brought in. The top-rated running back in the 2016 class, Kareem Walker. Uh, you know, he's not considered to be on the level of a couple of other you know, recent number one running backs to come in, guys like Leonard Fournette. He's not considered to be on that level, but still, Kareem Walker considered a, a difference maker in that backfield that can come in, uh, give them maybe five to ten carries, and they're they're not going to register him. He's he's going to be seeing some game time. And then the other one is Kingston Davis, uh, more of a change of pace back, real shifty, um, four-star guy, so not on the level of Kareem Walker, but Kingston Davis, another good piece. So even if they're passing game, even if they have some, some growing pains at quarterback with John O'Korn, which I don't expect just because of Harbaugh's track record with the passing game. But, um, even if they do have some of those issues, that offensive line and that running game can just bludgeon you if they need to. So, um, yeah, we can move on to Ohio state, but there's, there's, some question marks with Michigan, but they've got a whole lot of answers and uh, really good coaching staff, navigable schedule. I, I just I see them as having fewer question marks than Ohio State, which is why I took them. I, I feel they're the safer pick, uh, considering that they bring back more. The incoming talent plugging into their uh, their holes might not be quite as good as Ohio State's on paper, but um, I think that there's enough there for them to get the job done and. Uh, get Michigan to the Big Ten title game.
1: I agree. And uh, now moving on to Ohio State, uh, we won't spend too much time on the Buckeyes, um, but uh, they're Ohio State. They have as much talent as anybody in the country, uh, but they do lose Ezekiel Elliott. They lost, I believe, 11 draft picks uh, from last year. Uh, They have to replace Joey Bosa. They have to replace uh, Eli Apple um Von Bell, guys like that. Um but they do have the ace in the hole, uh, TJ to me and the guy who actually put them, you know, who made it a debate and that's JT Barrett. And JT Barrett should yeah. be uh in the, the running uh for the Heisman trophy. He's an outstanding dual threat quarterback. Um I thought they mishandled uh the that quarterback um competition last year and it really, really hurt them. I thought, um, you know, you didn't see them in a good rhythm. They turned the ball over a lot, and then it all came to fruition against Michigan State. and it cost them a spot in the playoff game before they could get uh, running on all cylinders uh, against Michigan and then against Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, but this is still a very, very uh, talented team. They're going to bring back, uh, you know, they bring in Mike Weber, who's going to be a redshirt oh. freshman. Um, Briante Dunn, who's uh, a senior but hasn't really lived up to that that very good uh, recruiting ranking uh, that he came in with. Um, Curtis Samuel uh, is the H-back. He's pretty good um, but still has not lived up to that hype that uh, he came in with. And then you have Noah Brown, uh, who's back from injury. That was a big loss last year. And then you have two good linemen in in Pat – Elf Lane and Billy Price. But to me, um, the schedule is really difficult for them. Uh, They have to go to Oklahoma, uh, travel to Wisconsin at Penn State and at Michigan State um, and and Maryland in there as well. But to me, this Mm -hmm. is a a tougher schedule than they played uh, the last couple of years. They're going to get a real – we'll know where they are. They play Bowling Green and Tulsa, too, which are two good offenses – uh, so we'll know where they stand after after September 17th, whether or not this team uh, has what it takes to, to make it through the Big Ten East and, and come out and get to another Big Ten championship game and possibly uh, another playoff game. To, to say that so, they could lose to Oklahoma, run the table, and make the playoff game uh, or make the yep. playoffs. Um, but if they go undefeated, this team should be ranked – uh, you know, either one or two in the country, depending upon what Alabama does. Uh, but that—that's my yeah. take on Ohio State.
2: Yeah, I think you mentioned um, really the, the the key piece on offense J.T. Barrett. The key piece on defense also returns Raquan McMillan. Uh, he was the leading tackler a year ago. Um, I mean, he's he's either one or two in terms of defensive player of the year coming in in the Big Ten maybe one, two, or three, if you want to make the argument with Peppers and Walker from Northwestern, and then, uh, then McMillan. Those are the three guys for that spot. Sam Hubbard steps in, uh, defensive end. They, they've got high hopes for him. And Gary and Conley, the only guy in the secondary returning. I mean, these guys, six returning starters. So really any talk about them outside of Barrett and McMillan is Kinda, really speculative. I mean, I think Noah Brown has potential to be an absolute star at wide receiver. He's got all the physical tools you look for, all the measurables you look for. He's a big target. I think he could be the number one, uh, number one wide receiver, um, possibly in the in the conference here after or heading in the next season, um, because a lot of the, a lot of the top wide receivers this year are probably going to be. Um, going pro but questions for them are going to be on the lines um they've lost quite a bit on the offensive line elf lines are very very good but there's a lot of question marks filling in there they still don't know who their starting five is going to be at this time and then the defensive line uh you lost pretty much everybody up front so i i'm not sure what's going to happen there um i think they could be susceptible. Um, to some good ground games, which Oklahoma's definitely going to test them uh, there. You know, I think that Briante Dunn, Curtis Samuel, and Mike Weber will be fine as running backs, but the best runner on this team is J.P. Barrett, and none of these guys, whoever they find a running back, is going to be Ezekiel Elliott. They're not going to have the capability to take the game over as we saw Elliott do on more than one occasion during his time in Columbus. So um, I like they have. I like the potential they have. I think they're going to be significantly better at the end of the year than they will at the start of the year. We saw that last year even, and that that was a fully experienced group. um, And they got a lot better heading into the end of the season, part of that being because they finally went to Barrett. But um, he's going to have to really be Superman, I think, to have Ohio State in the playoff conversation once again, and I I don't really see it. I see them losing two or three games, still being very, very good, but um, I think they drop uh, Oklahoma. I think they lose to Michigan, and then I, I think it's possible that they can lose one of their road games, even though I don't think highly of Wisconsin or Penn State or Maryland. I, I think it's possible they could drop one on the road, just it's hard to win on the road, so... Um,
1: yeah, they also I, go I to
2: a Michigan slightly, State. Yeah, yeah, slightly off year for, uh, for Urban Meyer's squad, but even though slightly off years mean that they're still going to be first or second in the big cities. So um, no reason to, to worry about the program or anything like that. It's, it's just really hard to contend for national title when you send as many guys as they did to the NFL.
1: Yeah, and you saw that with LSU and the SEC when they kept – Yeah, tough to reload when, when all these juniors uh, go to the NFL. Next up, Michigan State, TJ. Uh, it's another team who's been really good uh, for the last uh, handful of years, and, you know, they lose their starting quarterback. And this is a theme throughout the Big Ten East, is uh, replacing starting quarterbacks. You have a new starter – well, sort of new um, – but uh, welcome back, JT Barrett. You're going to have a new starter at Michigan, a new starter at Michigan State, a new starter at Penn State, uh, and a new starter at Indiana. So, uh, you know, five out of the seven teams are, are going to have new starters. So, uh, Michigan State, I think they're they're going to take a drop off this year. You know, Connor Cook was very, very good for them. I wasn't high on him uh, as a quarterback in general, but he was very good for them. He won a lot of games. Uh, they – lose a lot on defense. Uh Shalee Calhoun is gone, but they do return um Mal- Malik uh Malik McDowell uh and um Demetrius Cox on defense. So there's still gonna be a nasty defense. Um but the the big question is who's their quarterback. And uh right now projected starter is Tyler O'Connor. Uh he came in, in a couple games and if you go back to I believe two thousand thirteen um when after um Kirk Cousins graduated. O'Connor was in the mix with Connor Cook to take over that uh, starting position, and then ultimately lost the job. and the, And the rest is history. As Connor Cook won won two Big Ten titles, Rose Bowl, um, and uh, made the playoff last year. So, where do you see Michigan State taking it? Taking a step back, finishing third uh, third here in the Big Ten.
2: Yeah, you mentioned Connor Cook winning a lot of games, thirty-four and five is the starter. So, um, you know, I, I he had a lot of help to get that done, but Connor Cook is going to be missed dearly by that program. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. Tyro O'Connor looks like he's going to beat out Damian Terry. Uh, Terry's the more mobile of the two. O'Connor, the more traditional passer uh, that you kind of picture in the Michigan State offense, but. I think wide receiver takes a big step back. Aaron Burbridge and McGarrett Kings Jr. Are both gone. R.J. Shelton is the guy that comes back. He was their third leading receiver last year. He's going to have to be the number one guy now, and I don't think he really has the traditional body type to get that done. Uh, a little bit more of a smaller slot type guy. Um, Felton Davis showed some flashes that he could help, and then they've got a true freshman by the name of Donnie Corley that has gotten a lot of praise from both the coaching staff and from kind of outside people that saw him in practice and saw him in the spring game and are hyping him up quite a bit as uh, being somebody that could start uh, day one. So uh, the running game, um, you know, LJ has got the best of the three. That they have also Madre London and Gerald Holmes is kind of the big back that uh, they look to in short yardage situations. I don't think Holmes has been quite what they expected, but um, Scott and London were good as freshmen. They need to improve the yards per carry a little bit, improve the efficiency, and that could be tough to do because the offensive line, which for me is the biggest concern for their offense, they lost Jack Allen, they lost Jack Conklin, they've got to replace three starters overall. That's hard to do, uh, and this is not a program that, I mean, yes, they have definitely lost stars and replaced them before, but, not a program that traditionally just reloads without even noticing anything. Um, There tends to have to be a tiny bit of a rebuild. Definitely not dropping down to fighting for bull eligibility, but just a little bit. The defense should be good. Six starters, Riley Bull is back. You mentioned Demetrius Cooper. Um, Evan Jones is going to be the other end. I think the secondary is going to be the strength of that defense. Uh, Should have three starters back plus. Fionte Copeland would have been a starter last year, but he got hurt very early. He's coming back from a neck injury. So, really, you could say four starters back in the secondary. So, um, facing a division that is replacing a lot of quarterbacks, that it could be a a real stout pass defense. Um, I think that, overall, the schedule is not bad. Um, You know, they're they're cross-division games. Wisconsin, Northwestern, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Northwestern are both at home. They go to Illinois, and then you get both Michigan and Ohio State at home. So it's, it's really about as good as it could be. Their non-conference is, uh, is pretty tough. Um, they face BYU and they face Notre Dame, so that's going to be hard uh, for them overall record-wise. But just in terms of the division, I, I think that these guys could still go 7-2 and two in the division despite being a step below what they were last season. So um, overall it's going to be a good year for the Spartans when you take into account kind of what they're typically expected to be as a program, but I think it will be a step back from what they've been the past couple of years.
1: Yeah. And, you know, another team, uh, TJ, coming up next is Penn state is could take a, a step back as well. And, and, You know, it it just seems like the Big Ten in a whole might take a take a step back. But Penn State, um, they've been in the news lately. There's more stuff coming out about who knew, what happened uh, with that uh, with the Sandusky stuff. It's just, you know, as as putting the the politics of it aside, um, for this team who who had nothing to do with it. To my to my knowledge, there's no assistants on the staff who are with them, I, and no obviously no players. But it's just another distraction for this team this year um, to to get in their way, breaking in a new quarterback, um, replacing uh, a couple stellar defensive linemen. Uh, they do have, you know, uh, the best running one of the better running backs, probably the best running back in the Big Ten in Saquon Barkley. Uh, they have a, a plethora of receivers, highlighted by Han- Deshaun Hamilton and Chris Godwin. Uh, but this is a team I see taking another step back because Trace McSorley. He had a nice bowl game, um, but what you know? What has he done? He he didn't do much um, last year. You know he was he completed fifty percent of his passes, had two touchdowns and one hundred and eighty-five yards. You know he managed the bowl game against Georgia well. That's that's great but what can he do when the bright lights are on um, James Franklin I, I think the Penn State fan base is getting a little frustrated with him it's it's um, he's going into his third year now uh, he was seven and six is both his first two years which is you know two bowl games or uh, yeah two bowl games and but it's Penn State and fans want it to be back to where they're at top you know, top-20 team, top-15 team, uh, vying for these big bowls and, and, and vying and, and playing with Michigan and Ohio State and Michigan State. Uh, and now they've, as you said, those three tiers, they've fallen into that middle tier. Um, and, you know, this is a team who, when they come to Indiana on November 12th, is going to have a fight on their hands. Uh, and this is a team that has only lost to Indiana once in the history of their program. Um, and, you know, this fan base could get restless and how do they react to that? Um, and it's just such a, a storm of stuff in, in happy Valley. That to me is what's going to keep them down.
2: Yeah. I, I think you, meant, you, know, you said seven and six has been okay. And that's true. It has been particularly when you consider the sanctions and that scholarship productions and um, things that they did not have, this particular team did not have complete control over. So 7-6 and six can be considered okay, but Penn State doesn't want okay. You know, they don't want to be okay at football. Uh, they want to be good. They want to be great. And right now that's not happening under, under James Franklin. I think the people – In State College, it seems to me, reading a couple of their different fan sites, the people on the fan sites, and we can't generalize and say their whole fan base because we don't know, but the people that are commenting on those sites seem to start to be viewing him as a salesman as opposed to a good head coach. Um, There's always been questions about his in-game management, and I think now there are kind of some questions about schemes they lost defensive coordinator Bob Shoup to the same position at Tennessee. So he leaves Penn State, goes to Tennessee. Um, he got a pay raise in Penn State. Uh, but it was it was more of a case that I think he wanted to – he was looking at it as a step up to go to Tennessee as opposed to be at Penn State. Um, and it's going to be hard for them to replace Bob Shoup because he was – considered very, very good. Joe Moorhead comes in as an offensive coordinator. I think that that is a – at the very least, it will shake things up, and I think that's going to be really good for their offense. I thought their play calling the past couple years was really suspect. Uh, The offensive line, it's been well documented. It's not a strength at all. It should be better, if nothing else, because they've got more bodies there. They're up to 17 scholarship players along the offensive line when James Franklin got there, they had nine. So they're, they're building up the numbers there. So just by numbers, they should be at least better on the offensive line, but it's just looking at the personnel. It's still not going to be a strength. Um, yeah, you lose the D line really got hurt by the sections, uh, graduation into early entry into the draft. Carl Massett, Austin Johnson, Anthony Zettel all gone, all drafted fairly early in the draft. Uh, Garrett Sickles is going to be the guy that they hope has, you know, the big-time jump like we saw from Nassib. That seems unlikely. He could be good, but it really seems unlikely. to take the same jump that Nassib did. Should be pretty good at linebacker. Uh, Brandon Bell, Jason Cabinda, Wartman White are good. The second year will be fine. I really like Saquon Barkley, and I think he can be, uh, like you said, either the best or the second-best back in the Big Ten, depending on how you view Justin Jackson versus him. Um, the passing game, the receivers are good, but, and, uh, you know, is going to be a little bit more mobile than Hackenberg was, which is not hard. That's a low bar to clear. Uh, and Tommy Stevens, if they go with him, same thing. they will be a bit more mobile. Joe Moorhead's scheme, supposedly kind of a West Coast offense that utilizes some quarterback mobility. Um I think that they'll be a little bit more interesting to watch this year, but I I don't view the overall talent as being up to the level of the first three. And I, I think that that probably is really grating to Penn State fans that Michigan's taking this jump up. Ohio State has taken this jump up and Michigan State has, you know, consistently been better than they are under D'Antonio. So, I think that's rubbing in the wrong way, and if, if it's another kind of average season in State College, you will start to hear the pressure get turned up on Franklin.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, their, their quarterback now fits should fit their offense a little bit better. Uh, next up, yeah. and we'll spend a little bit more time on this, uh, Indiana. Um, we have them and Penn State almost about even, uh, probably in a tie in that 4-5 spot. Um, this offense is absolutely loaded, uh, DJ. It came out today. They, they announced the Cough award watch list. Ricky Jones and Sammy Cobbs are on it. Um, you had Mitchell Page on the Warful list for community service. Uh, he's a night. Nice, he's a really good complimentary receiver in the slot um, and punt yeah. returner. You're going to have Divine Redding back it looks like. Um, you're going to have a stable of running backs with Majet and um, you know, Ricky Brookins and, and those guys, and a couple of incoming freshmen as well. Um, just this offense could do so much. You have Jordan Fuchs at tight end, and, and, you know, it's going to come down to what can Richard Legault do? Um, is he a guy who you just have to get the ball to these playmakers. You don't have to air it out 45 times a game and throw for 600, throw for 600 yards, you know, run the ball 30, 40 times, throw the ball, you know, 30 times, 35 times, uh, have a balanced attack. Uh, and, and it seems like the philosophy uh, when we were at spring practice, TJ, was that they want guys who can play all over the field. They saw Brookings – Playing in the slot, uh, you saw Devontae Williams back at running back, playing in the slot, um, and, and and guys like that who, you know, you can go on these supersonic speed drives uh, where you don't have to substitute, and and you could really wear down these defenses. So, you know, I think Indiana is, is their schedule is tough being in the East. Uh, their non-conference schedule is very manageable. Um, that opening game at FIU is going to be a tough one. Um, yeah. But it's a team that that they should beat. They're more talented than, than FIU. But opening on the road in the Florida heat, which will probably just be like what it is today, um, hopefully without the late afternoon thunderstorm. But um, you probably guarantee it's going to rain at some point uh, when uh, we're down there but you know you have FIU ball stayed at home a week off before uh, Wake Forest and that that bye week is um you know i think it's kind of a blessing you, you know you go through your first two games with the new quarterback see what's working see what needs to be improved use that bye week to to tweak some things um with with whoever's at quarterback i, I su- suspect it's going to be uh the go but Um, offensively, this team is going to be as good as any in the Big Ten um, if they could get their quarterback play. Now, the big question is defense. Can the defense Mm -hmm. get out of the basement? And I I think they can uh, if they could get some defensive line play. Uh, You see, uh, you know, they lose a lot on the defensive line in Zach Shaw, Nick Mangieri, and and Darius Latham. But you got Ralph Green and Nate Hoff, guys who had underperformed the last year um, who have shown very, very good potential winning um, awards as freshmen for their performances and, and being freshmen All-Big Ten uh, members. So if those guys step up, play like they, they've shown they can play and and be that, those monsters in the middle, kind of like uh, Adam Rapogo and, and Larry Black Jr. were in 2011, and then you could get some of these guys on the edge, um, you know, moving over to defensive end. Uh, like Rob, um, Greg Gooch and, and Jacob Robinson, and uh, maybe getting Robert McCray in there as well along the defensive line. And, and they're absolutely stacked at, at linebacker too. So don't be surprised if you see uh, somebody move uh, positions at linebacker. They're going to that 4-2, uh, 4-2-5 defense, uh, two linebackers, but they're stacked with, with um, Mark Oliver, T. Gary Scales. Uh, you're you're going to have T.J. Simmons back. Um, so don't be surprised if you see a guy move uh, positions because they, they're loaded with the athletes there. Uh, the secondary uh, will be will look a lot different in terms of positioning. You're going to have Jamie Thompson play that uh, play the Husky position, uh, junior college transfer, which is that hybrid safety um, linebacker position, and then you're probably going to have Tyler Green. Um, and Richard Fant at your corners. And we saw Green in spring practice. He's a longer guy. He played some last year. um, But he's very talented, and he gives the the Hoosiers the size they need at corner to to play some of these bigger receivers. And then, you know, you're going to have Chase Dutra, Jonathan Crawford at safety, um, at free and strong safety. Uh, Jonathan Crawford, very, very good player. Four interceptions last year third leading tackler on the team and then chase dutra if he could stay healthy is a very very quality safety uh as well um and then you have griffin oaks shoring up your special teams on kickoffs and field goals uh the place where iu probably needs to pick it up uh, a little bit besides the defense is in the return game on kicks can they get uh some easy yardage, not easy yardage, but could they make it a little bit easier for this offense, getting returns out past the 40 into opponent's territory and not have to make this offense drive the length of the field um, in order to get points. So that's that's my take on, on IU in this division. And, and their schedule is pretty, pretty manageable in the Big Ten. They get their tough games on the road. Uh, Ohio State, Rutgers, Michigan, and Northwestern, at home, you get Michigan State, Nebraska, Maryland, Penn State, and Purdue. All those games, to me, I, I think they, they have a, a a better than decent shot of uh, of being in it, having a chance to win at the end.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we'll get into each of our youth personnel groups and all that much more in depth as we get closer to the season. But just from a, a bird's-eye view perspective on it, I – I think that one of the things that's the most intriguing about this group is when you look at the running backs and wide receivers, there are so many guys that can do different things. You've got a lot of different types of players. Guys like Mike maget, Devontae Williams that are kind of your explosive backs. Guys like Devine Redding, maybe Tyler Natey, um, that are, you know, big bruisers. Um, and they're, they're not just big bruisers. I mean, we know that the line writing can move as well. He can be shifty and he can, he can pick up, uh, pick up yardage when presented with the open field. He can make guys mess. Um, but you know, I don't think you, somebody you'd describe as electric. So, uh, you've also got, you know, some pieces that you're not sure where they're going to fit, uh, in Cole guests. Um, you know, a guy that maybe ends up returning kicks, maybe ends up playing some slot, maybe ends up uh, at some running back some. Same with Ricky Brookens, maybe at slot, maybe a little running back. Um, you know, Kimion Patrick, a player that uh, the coaching staff was extremely high on. Uh, he's coming back from, from an injury that uh, they're hoping, uh, timeline-wise, that he'll be able to be back and ready to go for the Big Ten season. You know, we certainly hope that it's earlier than that. You know, maybe he can uh, have a quick recovery and get back and um, be ready to go maybe right after the bye week or something. But he's a player that um, it seems as if the coaching staff believes and based on what we've seen just in little highlight snippets and things like that, so, you know, take it with a big old box of salt. But um, it seems like he can be – a difference maker in the backfield, uh, a guy that can hit home runs for you every time he touches the ball um, and kind of just reminds you of Tevin Coleman a little bit in the way that if he hits the open field, six points. Um, yeah. And he's a bit, that, he's,
1: yeah, he's kind of like a hybrid between, between Howard and Coleman where he yeah. won't, be afraid to run you over either, and he could blow by you. So, you know, he's kind of the best of both worlds, and, and he's a player that I'm really excited to see play um, if he does yeah. come back, uh, when and if he comes back. Absolutely. Um, but next, Absolutely. quickly, let's get to the bottom two teams uh, in the Big Ten. I went with, with Rutgers, uh, finishing sixth. I just think they're, you know, both them and Maryland are, are on that lower tier right now, both had coaching changes um both schools on the east coast in hot recruiting beds um so you know it this could be a quick fix uh it could be a a long fix if they don't recruit well but it they has the potential to be a quick quality fix for both of these schools but i'm going to put rutgers at six Uh, i do think they're a little bit more talented um on paper right now, they, they do lose uh, uh, Leonte Carew. Thank goodness he's gone because I still have nightmares about him from last year. Uh, but they have two very, very good running backs in Robert Martin and Josh Hicks. Uh, they return a quarterback, Chris Laviano, who's not bad. He's not great, but he's not bad. Um, and then you have Janarian Grant um, at wide receiver, uh, who's a very dynamic punt returner and kick returner as well. Um, this offensive line is is decent, um, decent enough. Uh, the defense you're going to get Darius Hamilton back. He's a former five-star um, recruit, and you know I think this defense, although they lose um, Steven Longa, uh, their leading uh, leading tackler from last year, uh, they they do uh, return some talent. I just think they have more talent on paper than than Maryland. Uh, but their schedule is very difficult. They uh, they open up at Washington on the road. Yeah. So you'll get right off the bat to see where this team is at. Um, and then you've got to go to Ohio State, to Minnesota, which isn't easy, and then Michigan State and uh, at Maryland. Um, Maryland beat them last year, but um, the last time at Maryland, uh, Rutgers made an outstanding comeback and won that game. So, I think that Rutgers wins enough games to, to stay ahead of ahead of Maryland uh, due to their talent.
2: I chose Maryland at six. Um, we'll talk about them in just a second. But, you know, Rutgers does return more starters than the Terps. They returned 15 starters for the new coach, Chris Ash. Uh, yeah, I like the running backs. Chris Laviano, the concern with him for me is he had 19 turnovers a year ago. That is way too many. He's got to cut down on that. Uh, ideally, you'd see him get that down somewhere to like 10s, so maybe cut that close to in half um, for this offense to, to take a step forward. Uh, the receivers are, are fine. Andre Patton, Tenarian Grant, Carl Tanagadosi, you know, they're adequate, but that's not a group that's going to be great. The offense will be carried by the two running backs, Martin and Hicks, and um, the offensive line, which, you know, needs to get better. Give up too high of a sack rate, but there's there's some talent there. There's some returning pieces there. They do get uh, do get back uh, defensive lineman that um, should help them some, but they replace all three starters at linebacker, and those guys were the top three tacklers in 2015. Uh, the defense was 13th in total defense last year in the Big Ten, so only IU was worse. Uh, and now they lose the top three tacklers and have to replace all the linebackers. So that's my concern for them. Plus, they go to Maryland, uh, so Maryland gets to host them. And they draw Iowa out of the West as well. So, um, whereas, you know, Maryland uh, gets to host Rutgers. And I I look at them. They, they only bring back 12 starters. They have a decent trio of running backs, Ty Johnson, the Virginia Tech transfer, Trey Edmonds. And then Wes Brown, it looked like he was off the team, but the indefinite suspension is apparently over. And it uh, looks like Wes Brown is, I mean, he's still on the roster. He worked out with them in the spring. And uh, DJ Durkin talked about him, if he does the right things, whatever the heck that means. And then Wes Brown's going to be able to play for the Terrapins. Just, uh, three starters in the offensive line back for them. They've, their recruiting rankings have been better than what they've performed at, so they need to start playing like they were rated at in high school. Uh, The big problem for Maryland is, of course, the the passing game. I mean, it was just awful, uh, comical at times, their inability to complete a pass more than like 10 yards down the field. And I don't really see how it would improve all that much because they – bring back the same guys. I mean, Perry Hills and Caleb Rowe are the guys battling for the spot. Uh, The new OC, Walt Bell, comes from Arkansas State. They ran the ball on 70% of standard downs last year, so he runs kind of a spread option, up-tempo attack, and I think Perry Hills fits that better. He's the better runner of the two. Um, I mean, they were only 80% offense in 2015. I think that improved somewhat just because of the increased tempo uh, I think they'll commit to just spread option football, which, you know, if that can get rolling in a game, they can give somebody some problems. But uh, another advantage for Maryland that Rutgers doesn't have, so they're hosting Purdue, they're hosting Rutgers. That's why it took them at six and Rutgers at seven. But you can flip a coin with those two. I think that they are the two weakest teams in the division. They'll be playing each other for six versus seven, and neither is going to go to a bowl yeah. game. Yeah, the, the final word they
1: they play six home games. Uh they'll play at FIU and at UCF in back-to-back weeks. Um so it, the schedule really does not work out in their favor other than that they get their matchup games at home uh in yeah. Rutgers and in Purdue. Um but you know, I think they're just so far off um just watching them last year and and, and watching uh, Perry Hills uh, or he didn't play. Uh, watching Caleb Rowe um, yeah, and, and watching Perry yeah, Hills saw... in, in games beforehand, it was it, it it just didn't instill a lot of confidence in me to put them at six. No. But um, yeah. they are in a recruiting hotbed. They do have a new coach, DJ Durkin, um, and, and we'll see what they could do. But you know, it, it might come down to to that uh, last game, the 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 East Coast rivalry game, so to speak, against Rutgers. Um, to see uh, if we were correct, uh, which one of us was correct on on Maryland and and Rutgers. But, uh, TJ, we are out of time. As usual, it goes super quick when we're talking football. Um, But we'll be back uh, next week. We'll start going over our um, Big Ten Media Days are coming up, uh, questions we want to ask and have answered, uh, questions that IU has as a team going into Media Days. It's one of the landmark days in – uh, in, in the college football calendar, so I uh, will be back next week. Uh, TJ, have a, have a great evening. Hopefully, uh, the power stays on.
2: Yeah, yeah. Storm storms let up some here. My dog is uh, still pretty nervous, but uh, it's it's let up. Not near as windy or rainy. So hopefully everybody stays safe. Um, always fun talking football. We're getting ready. All this preview stuff definitely has me uh, excited to actually watch some games from this season as opposed to constantly rewinding and thinking about what might be. I'm ready to see what, uh, what's going to happen.
1: Yep. Uh, me too over here. Uh, we'll see you next week. Check us out on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. Uh, don't forget to, to load us and rate us on iTunes, um, hoosierhuddle.com, and uh, the podcast is Inside the Huddle um, on, on iTunes. So thanks for joining us. Uh, We'll post this up on the website shortly, and uh, enjoy the rest of your evening.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry